Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. God of War is garnering rave reviews, especially for its scope, polish, and combat. And those are cool things, but they are rarely the first elements I look for in a satisfying game experience. I worry that a little bit of me will always be contrarian and going into well-loved, you know, respected AAA games with a bit of a chip on my shoulder. I'm not actively looking for things to dislike here, don't get me wrong. When the hype gets to a certain level, I can't deny it puts me in that space. I don't love what that says about me, because I'd like to come at a work with context, yes, but also to give everything large and small a fair shake. Now, that's actually something I wrote on the site this week in a piece titled The Joys and Sorrows of Getting Hyped for a Video Game. I am Danielle Riendo, and this is Waypoint Radio, episode 151. Joining me today are Rob Zachney. Hey, everyone. And Patrick Klepik. Hello. I thought it might be interesting today. Let's talk a little bit about hype and your relationship to hype and how it either messes with your head or helps you enjoy something or, you know, kind of gets in the way of certain types of game experiences. And this is all sort of around the idea that God of War is, you know, Patrick, you wrote a review uh, Mm -hmm. and it sounds like an awesome game. Sounds like a lot of fun. We talked about the game itself last week, but I'm kind of sitting here after a week of hype. Excited to, uh, you know, pick up my, my GameStop pre-order tonight. I did that this time. I'm going to go at, not at midnight because they thankfully are like opening at 10 or something for it. And I'm going to get that game and I'm going to sit down with it and I'm going to try not to be like a piece of shit and just look for things to pick at and like actually enjoy the game. And I don't know if I'm a, you know, ridiculous person who goes into experiences that I've heard are really positive and like in that mindset and kind of have a little bit of that. I don't know how you ne- like don't go into like massively universally <laughs> praised experiences, kind of sus- like preparing to be let down because, and I think actually you're you're maybe even more likely to be let down if you completely buy into the hype and you're expecting something that is absolutely like every bit as transcendental as a lot of reviews and reactions have have made it seem. Um, so I mean, I think particularly in our line of work. You're, you learn very early on uh, to be very wary of games that are universally beloved uh, <laughs> just because after a point, it's not even necessarily about the general consensus that something is good. It's that there's this like universal feeling that it's great and therefore you need to have a great experience too. And I think maybe like preparing to criticize or tear something down is a way to guard against that, right? Like it's just a mechanism for making the experience of encountering this thing more interesting than is this going to confirm my preconceptions of it or not? <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely fair. I want to ask Patrick, did you were you hyped for the game before you played it? 
Were you I like mean, excited for it? Yeah, like I, I'm yeah. a huge fan of the series. Generally speaking, you know, it's a series I had a lot of uh, problems with, and uh, you know, things of that nature. But I, I like the I like playing God of War games, and I liked the fact that they were trying to take a more serious tact. Like everything that they were lining up for the game uh, was the kind of thing um, that I'm, uh, that I look for. But you know, I, I'm also uh, I it's our it's tough because like our relationship with like hype is 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 fundamentally different than the average um, consumer or player or gamer or however you want to characterize it because you know I've chatted with Corey Balrog like several times you know in the lead up to the game like I've seen curated behind the scenes presentations about the game which is like different than you know sort of the average person um, uh, and then you know we try to check our own hype uh, as critics because that's like, you know, you, you do as much as you can to go into something with uh, sort of as, as clear an eye as you can. But, I, you know, as someone that likes to play things and watch things and read things uh, when they come out, like it functions on, on two different levels. One, as I've mentioned on this podcast before, I just like being part of the conversation as the conversation is happening, especially in an environment where it happens at a faster and faster pace. And so if you're sort of not there at day one, it's a lot harder to participate in that conversation because things just move on to the next thing incredibly fast. And two, (laughs) if you're there uh, at day one for something that you're interested in, you have a better chance to sort of set your own expectations, to go into it um, with fewer preconceived notions. Um, with games, I don't I don't tend to get, find myself whipped up into things because I've been doing this long enough that I know what I like, I know what I want, and often if a game is universally praised, that has that doesn't mean a lot to me. It means like what like the people I know and trust, like my like like the people that I like go to as sort of a barometer for hey what what is what is your take on that game is actually the one I'm paying attention to. So if a game gets universally praised, that tells me oh that's worth paying attention to. In the same way that we're doing Fortnite, Fortnite, right? Like eventually yeah. that game's popularity said something to us, which is like oh like maybe we're missing something here. Maybe we need to check this out. And often, so if a game comes out of the gate with lots of uh, really exemplary reviews. It at least tells me, oh, I want to pay attention to it. But uh, I find myself getting lost into hype cycles like more uh, in like mediums that I don't cover as a critic. Mm, and yeah. uh, it's where I discover why people do it. Like, yo, I am hyped as fuck for Infinity War next week. Like, I could <laughs> not. You know, I'm, I got it, the 8 o'clock showing. I'm rewatching movies. I'm reading all these speculative articles. Like, I am so fucking excited for that movie. <laughs> and... Uh, I'm going to be there right when it opens so I can, you know, wh- however I feel about it, like, will be largely based on, like, my own interaction with it. But, I, like, Marvel movies and stuff like that are where I get to feel that, like, hype indulgence. Like, I'm just swimming in it because I want to be part of the fun and whipping myself into a frenzy before that movie comes out. You're touching on something really interesting there, I think, which is the whole, like, your own reaction versus sort of the conversation as a whole shaping your reaction, which I think is like a really super valid thing, right? Like it is really comforting to to see something right away and be like, no, I actually thought what I thought. It wasn't that I read or even not even read because you don't even have to read stuff. You just have to be on Twitter and see like 400 memes and, and 400 other things that you're not even trying to look at. And you already have kind of an opinion about the way something is and the way it has affected people. So yeah, that that makes a lot of sense to me. Rob, do you are you super affected by this as well, whether in games or even in movies as well? Uh, 
Yes, I, I think so. It's it's hard for me to quite parse out. Like, I remember a while ago I was talking to um, uh, Evan Narcisse on, on Idol Weekend, and he was talking about how he basically, like, goes into media blackout for stuff that he's reviewing and, like, assessing critically. And it's only after, like, he's done with a thing and he's sort of uh, put his own thoughts in order and put them down somewhere. That then he goes and checks what other people are saying, uh, which is I admire that discipline a great deal. And I worry a lot about my impressions really being overly informed by what some of the early reactions and critical takes are at the same time, I routinely breach that rule. Uh, <laughs> and I find it really hard to stay away from that stuff. And actually in a weird way, I often find the more I hear about something in advance, maybe the happier I end up being about it. Uh, because like, because then two things are, are going on. Uh, one is that I'm hearing a lot of points of view on it. And somewhere in there, I'm starting to get a real impression of what the thing's going to be, not some idealized mm. vision of it. But then the other, the, the other aspect of it is now when I'm finally like assessing the work, uh, I'm also sort of part of this larger conversation that I've been following for a while. And now I get a chance to sort of, have these different view viewpoints bouncing off the object. Uh, so I like, I'm susceptible to it. I, I worry about it, but at the same time, like I really like following the conversation and having the conversation sort of, uh, sort of inundate my own, uh, preconceptions. Yeah. That's yeah. We, fair. we, we mentioned this when, um, uh, on Monday when we were talking about, yeah god of war and this is a piece that i want to write next week um once god of war is out but um i uh it's it's you know what evan does and which is what a lot of game critics do or probably a lot of critics is like to try and put your feelings down on something get that out there then go read what other people have to say and uh i wrote that i I, I do often – I tend to do that when I am being assigned like a quote-unquote review. Um, I don't do that at all when like, I'm writing like a an, like a critical essay or something that's mm. coming out after the fact that yeah. isn't supposed to function in the realm of review. And the point I was making on Monday, uh, Rob, was that uh, I hate not hearing other people's opinions because I constantly find that my own narrow interpretation of a game isn't necessarily where I end up landing later once I've heard other people's takes or interpretations uh, like one of my but the prime example i used was bioshock infinite which is a game i came out of myself thinking wow i really liked that and a lot of what it did and then read about it and went oh no like i was like <laughs> no and like that's it's not a case of like uh not trusting my own like feelings and reactions it was more just like other people like contextualizing events like looking at things from different lenses like informed my, my 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 sort of like later my my more formative opinion of the work and i like that process like i like participating in the evolution of opinion on a game um or or anything or a movie or, or whatever um and uh yeah that's it's a it's a complicated dance when you're talking about hype and and reviewing and, and all the things that kind of go into that ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. No, I was just wondering, do you also think there's an element of, like, a lot of times when people are looking at sort of the Rotten Tomato system, for instance, and it says, like, 98% fresh or something like that, and then <laughs> everyone's like, come on, is this is this really a, is this really 98? Like, how is this, is this movie really that good? And I think that something that can be distorting is that, like, unit, like, sort of almost universal acclaim uh, does sometimes look like there's a massive echo chamber and and some in 100 that sometimes is very very true uh but at the same time what's what's interesting there is a lot of these systems are just saying that something is moving more viewers than not to say like yeah this is this is definitely like worth a look worth your time and i think it's easy to sort of get carried away when you see like a ton of people having a positive reaction to something thinking that the number of people having that reaction somehow indicates that everyone is saying like this is this is the greatest thing since sliced bread right this is <laughs> this is a masterpiece and i definitely am guilty of that as well like i think sometimes positive reviews bring out my really contrarian asshole side <laughs> and i view it almost my job so like for instance there's this there's a thing that happens on like board game geek uh like i know for a fact this happens People will start like giving games really trash reviews just to bring the average down to where they think is appropriate for oh where for, for where the game should actually be in terms of like uh, the review scale. And I feel like I sometimes sort of end up approaching popular things that way where I'm like, look, yeah, this is good. Everyone likes it, but it's not that good. And it falls upon me to set everyone straight somehow and tell them <laughs> that thing they like they shouldn't like as much as they do. I, I get like this, and we all know, uh, when I feel like people haven't paid enough attention, like in the opposite way, of like people did not like Prey enough. I knew uh, this was going to be about Prey, yeah. Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just like, why are you playing whatever, this other game, this pile of flaming turds, when you could be playing, the, you know, Arcane's greatest gift to humanity, pray. Like, I, I just don't understand. And I definitely have that, like, I, I understand, and I'm working on this. I definitely understand that, like, this is me as a seven-year-old kicking my dust around my feet, you know, being like, I don't understand why they don't like the good thing, and they like the bad thing. And it gets, like, very fangirl, nerd, uh, and gross. And like, yeah, okay, this is a thing I need to actually work on in my life. But it, there is also this like gross sense of loyalty to a product well, that I hate about it. And it, it feels like, oh, okay, Ready Player One, uh, Danielle version. Like there's, there's, a, there's a bad road that this kind of comes from, right? And I kind of want to like nip it in the bud to some degree, if that makes sense. I don't know when we all started 
internalizing the logic of like voting with your dollars and like the, the market is the final arbiter of like what is good and popular like yeah. from the perspective of like people whose job it is to make stuff uh, obviously like the popularity of things is going to be a, a really key indicator uh, but it, it does sort of get inside your head a little bit where it's not to a degree, everyone gravitating toward the blockbuster title to the like mass appeal, uh, you know, popular mainstream hit. It is hard to see that happening and not sort of be sitting there sweating bullets and thinking about like, oh, no, but what about my thing? Like, I like I need some of you to come and support my thing, because otherwise I might not get any more of these. Uh, and so there is an element of like. It can feel, and I think sometimes the conversation around Marvel movies is is this way as well, where it's like, these are like really tall, thick trees in some ways, like like <laughs> sort of killing off, nothing can grow in their shade, right? And that's sometimes how it feels, is that like, okay, these things are getting too popular, and it's actually going to reduce some of the diversity that... I've come like accustomed to I've become accustomed to and really value in this in the space. And then you start panicking and you start hating the thing and the people who like it because they're not they're not buying prey. They're not buying dishonored. Uh, <laughs> right. That kind of thing. Yeah, it, it's a weird thing to contend with. Right. Like it's it's I know where it's coming from. I just don't like it and I don't want to do it anymore. Uh, it's this sort of like team Jacob or team Edward sort of thing. Like, oh, you've got to be on a team. You have to do this weird sort of group thing or else you're not even playing the game, man. You're not even in it. Uh, which I mean, is, it's fun to root yeah. for a team, though. Like, that's also part of it. Like, <laughs> being on a teams. side is enjoyable, right? Like, I mean, this is, like, a pretty fundamental, you know, for better or worse, often for worse, part of, like, core to humanity and a lot of society is picking a side. And so I think that's often, you know, the, the tribalism that we see reflected in our politics, like, not big shock that, like, that's also reflected in, like, the brand ident identification and consumerism um, that, that mingles in in, in video games, um, you know, go to any forum or Reddit thread and you'll see plenty of that. Like a lot of like the cheering for a Metacritic score, like going up a point, like is part of that uh, tribalism and that, that we are right. And th this game is the good game, uh, the, the all game. And uh, I mean, I, 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 a lot of that is very toxic. I think, uh, you know, it, uh, you know, as a whole, it is, it is a net negative, but I also understand like how people find themselves on one of those sides of the fence. You want to put on a T-shirt that says "Team" and then whatever. I understand. Yeah, I like why it. do I hate the Packers? <laughs> like, I mean, because they fucking because they're suck. a better organization. Shut up, Rob. <laughs> I mean, it's. I'm just saying, man. Like, I didn't ask your opinion, Rob. I was I was expressing my thoughts. You can have your turn. Hate for the Packers is merely rage that should be directed at the McCaskies being like diverted toward an unproductive source <laughs> the mccaskies right. are the real enemy anyway point right. is chicago sports d2 are over uh, <laughs> that's all right i mean you can have one i think it's allowed uh austin's not here so it's fun you know whatever his I, team won the super bowl get out of here i know i know he's exactly he can he can he can take one for the team for a minute what I'm interested in as well uh, is talking about games that have done this in your past. And uh, Patrick, you mentioned Bioshock Infinite, which is <laughs> another one for me, for sure. Uh, something that I was hyped on, and then maybe it didn't live up to that hype. But 
There, there's. Uh, I think what happened a little bit with Mass Effect Andromeda, uh, not too too long ago. Uh, that game sure was hyped to hell. Uh, being part of a franchise that I think was pretty much beloved, not universally, but you know, Close pretty to. well well liked. I guess we can call it. Nah, beloved is yeah, Mass Effect. Yeah, is a all right, beloved. beloved. I, it was beloved. It's a beloved series. And there was a chapter that just didn't live up to kind of the hype in a lot of ways. And I think people treated that game like a punching bag. I mean, we did, too. Like, to be fair, we definitely did a video uh, <laughs> that was about the teeth and how bad the teeth animation sort of looked. Uh, and it was but we felt bad about it. We, we did. Patrick wrote you know, thing about yeah, how he yeah, 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 yeah. was, uh, was certainly, I think the, the headline was something along the lines of this is probably not the conversation Bioware wanted people to have about yeah. Mass Effect and was was in largely sympathetic um, to 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 Bioware or you know yeah. the folks that worked on that project, but you know ultimately that game seemed bad. So, um, <laughs> but it was it was bad for reasons that had nothing to do with the, <laughs> the teeth animation. The animation, yeah, yeah, necessarily, or just like a few animations looking uh, pretty crappy. But it, it very much became hype that that turned into like a virus. It was like a virus of <laughs> a hype virus. I don't know. Uh, it, expectations were high and then obviously people saw early footage and it didn't look great and then it became there was a hate campaign of course and then there was a you know the sort of backlash against how unprofessional it looked and then that went to some other places and that for me feels like a really instructive version of hype kind of going wrong uh, in a lot of ways and of course the like perennial uh, example always is something like duke nukem forever where nothing nothing that they could have possibly done could have lived up to 10 years of people making a game right like it's just there's nothing you can even do at that point the hype or or even just the story or the narrative around something will always be more interesting than whatever they made yeah that's why valve can never actually release another health half-life right. game. Um, yeah um or if they do uh, it's, you know, it's not going to be called Half-Life 3 because there's just no, at this point, like, yeah, it's the same thing. Like, what <laughs> what could you possibly do? What possible gameplay thing could you come up with that would live up to, to people's expectations? Especially now that the the story, you know, like, uh, 4 Episode 3 got leaked out last year or so. At this oh, point, yeah. people have sort of the resolution. But, yeah, I mean, morbidly, I'd like them to release it because I just find it interesting when people, you know, studios do narrative continuity and find ways to close out the stories they've been telling. But yeah, those, that's absolutely a case. Like, um, of course I'd, I'd rather get, if I had to choose timelines, like I'd rather have <laughs> half-life three had come out over <laughs> Duke Nukem forever. Although I played Duke Nukem <laughs> forever. Yeah. I beat that game. I had to know I loved Duke Nukem 3d, uh, yo evil dead quotes or rather army of darkness quotes were extremely my thing uh, when that <laughs> game came out. So yeah. Good. Okay, well, I'm, gl- I'm glad you played Duke Nukem Forever. I'm glad somebody did. I mean, you know? I don't... Uh, glad is a stretch. Uh, it was... <laughs> I, I did it. <laughs> good. Very, very good. And yeah, Patrick, you've written about your your love of long-running franchises as well. And sort of like how that in itself is always interesting. Like coming up with an excuse for like retreading a plot and retreading with characters. Being its own version of hype and its sort of own version of why something exists is interesting in itself. And I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, also, just because you get weird things happening. And I'm, I'm generally a fan of, of seeing weird things happening in various franchises. Rob, I'm curious if you have any other uh, games that were, you know, you were really hyped for or the hype really sort of ruined your experience. Either or, and, and maybe even both. It might be one of the same. Mm, I don't know. 
Oh, I'm trying to think. It's tough because I, 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 uh, this is a really difficult question to answer as like a games critic because I get to right. play stuff mostly early or when it comes out. And so like for me, like what I end up, what I find more curious is like that, uh, the whiplash effect that you mentioned with Mass Effect Andromeda, <laughs> um, that happened extremely quickly. Um, that's, you know, that was that game before it had officially been released. It was when it was in the EA uh, Origin Access or whatever oh, their program right. was called. That's when everything started turning uh, on that game uh, before it was even available fully for sale. Um, Bioshock Infinite, I mean, that game got all sorts of Game of the Year awards. Like, that That game was, was universally praised when uh, it was released and uh, was seen as a capital A good game. Um <laughs> And it wasn't until, I don't know, I would say, like, it took roughly a year before, like, the worm turned on it in a way that if you bring up Bioshock Infinite now, at least in, like, some circles, like, it is thought of that Bioshock Infinite is, by default, a bad game um, uh, as as opposed to the other way around. And so that, I mean, obviously there are people who are commenting on that game right from the gate saying, like, ah, here's, you know, what's the problems that it has and... Um, you know, some of the fucked up stuff it has to say about race and class and, and, and things of that nature. But uh, that took time before that sort of like narrative started sticking. And that happens at different paces for different games for different reasons. Like Bioshock Infinite is interesting because uh, the critics and players were generally in agreement when it came out. And then like a certain set of critics like started kind of like picking away at that game over time. And, and turning uh, sort of a general sense of that game among, again, certain circles. Um, whereas Mass Effect Andromeda was critics hated it and players hated it. So, like, it flips <laughs> immediately. Um, and the difference between Bioshock Infinite and Mass Effect Andromeda is the way that Mass Effect Andromeda was immediately gifable, right? So it's like the hype mm-hmm. was able to... The marketing hype was deflated immediately because players were given agency in debating and talking about the game. And they were, like, in the, the world of Twitter, Tumblr... Reddit and the uh, proliferation of GIFs and sharing short uh, fucked up videos pointing out like what's wrong in animations. Like that's how narratives take hold so much faster in 2018 um, because the tools, I mean, part of this is like uh, that there are more, there's a democratization of tools is that like there are like players have the ability to spread their own thoughts on a game faster than the gatekeepers of the past, which was largely folks like ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Rob, is there a Brennan game that really, like, you got super hyped for and it was not up to snuff? Or hype kind of ruined your experience with something? Oh. Total War. <laughs> Always oh. Total War. But, like, it's... Okay. I mean, like, the Total War series is just an emotional roller coaster in general. <clears throat> um, Like... I remember uh, probably the last time I really got swept up in hype around a Total War game was Empire Total War. Uh, Literally in the days before it came out, uh, the forum I was on, people were starting to post their their favorite books about like the age of uh, Horse and Musket, uh, that kind of stuff. People were posting clips from uh, like Barry Lyndon and stuff uh, just to just to get people fired up to command lines of redcoats. Uh, you know, marching into lines of uh, white-coated Frenchmen sounded great. Sounded like 100% what I wanted. Uh, and I sort of rushed out to get that game and spent probably two weeks really convincing myself that I loved this game. 
Um, <laughs> uh, like I would see things that were like egregiously wrong in the game. Like I would leave fortresses that were critical, like completely undefended with the AI right next to it. And the AI would do nothing because it didn't know how to play its own game. And I was like, aha, they're playing this one pretty safe. They must be concerned. Like I, would be, I was basically rationalizing like entire lines of thought that the AI could not have had to explain why they were not doing the patently like obvious good move in front of them. Uh, and then after two weeks, I was like, wait, what if I just barely do anything in this game? What if I just stop trying? And just play as passively as possible. And then nothing changed. Like, the game just kind of drifted onwards. And, like, I realized, oh, this entire thing was hollow. Uh, and this, none of this really works. And I basically invented this entire experience in my head because I was so bought into the hype and the premise. I'd, I'd read all these reviews. Uh, I'd read all of these... Um, you know, developer diaries and interviews. And so I was basically coming into this, like bound and determined to have the time of my goddamn life. Um, and it kind of blew up in my face. So that was, that's probably the most personally, like that one seared into my memory in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, it, it comes and goes. It happens less now that I, that I do review a lot of the stuff. I've also gotten a lot more, it's not. It's not so much that you get disc you get more discriminating, but like as you get older, like with anything, those truly breathtaking, like defining experiences, just come like fewer and farther between because you have yeah. ever more context uh, that you're taking in everything. And so, like, I just think after a certain point, hype itself starts becoming a little less effective on you, just because you know you've been to that dance so many times. Yeah. That's that's very fair. I have a like a a happy example about this and a sad example about mm -hmm. this. And I'll tell you the sad one first. I could not have been more excited in my life for the the first GameCube Rogue Squadron game. Okay. Rogue Leader, I think is the one uh came out like at GameCube launch basically. Uh big Star Wars nerd, especially at that time. I mean, I guess I was like 17 at that time. So it was like not quite as uh, full nerd, like wearing my special flight suit as I did when I played the Hoth levels in uh, uh, the N64 uh, Shadows of the Empire, but like still super into Star Wars. And this was the first time I think I saw like almost DVD quality footage of Star Wars because like when you played that disc, it would play like little clips from the movies and it looked way better than my VHS tapes at that time. So like I would just play like the startup screen this game i would get so excited so excited so excited uh and then i never beat like the third mission it was just i don't even think it was a bad game i just don't think it yeah, was, i thought people liked rogue squadron i think they did i think they did i don't i don't think it was a bad game i just sucked at it a lot and it just wasn't fun for me i was bad at it so it was a little sad i i got hyped i kept playing the like attract mode <laughs> that game basically i kept playing like the the startup screen and that was exciting and i guess that was something for me but man this was I just, getting heartbreaking what do you mean you're playing the startup screen i would put it on i would and? put it on i would i would watch the clips from the movies that played <laughs> the like 40 seconds of clips from the movies i would play that and i would just sit there and watch them <laughs> like that was yeah it. that's that's really bleak okay i yeah but I have a happy example, and it's a modern example. It's a recent example. It's not a game, but 
I was so down on Daredevil, uh, especially season two of Daredevil, that I thought the Punisher was going to be the fattest turd somebody ever, Marvel ever shat out of its ass. And like. That's called Iron Fist. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I haven't even touched that. Um, (laughs) And like, I loved it and thought it was nuanced and smart and like it made some missteps, but I loved it. And I just actually finished it um, like last week. Uh, so that was like an anti-hype for me. That one was the the hype was so low that like, man, it just needed to have some action in it. And I would have been like, yeah, that's all I needed. All right. This guy seems mad at the world. Cool. All right. We got something. And yeah, it, it was actually pretty good. I think pretty, pretty good. One of my uh, more higher tier Marvel uh, experiences, in fact, which is Kind of saying something, because I don't have the highest opinion of a lot of Marvel stuff. So, shocked at the uh, at my own lack of hype, and then enjoyed quite quite a bit. Oh, anyway, all right. If we don't have any other examples, and if we if there's other examples, we can we can put those out there. Otherwise, I'm going to tell a story from a reader, mm. and uh, we'll wrap up. All right. I just love the image of this, and this, of course. I, just the last couple of weeks on the Friday show, I've been doing a couple of those like stories about people playing their way because the question bucket uh, was full of those at one point, and I just I'm very amused by them. This is a brief and beautiful story from Thomas. Thomas writes, "My brother and I spent a surprising amount of time playing banjo kazooie nuts and bolts. We never bothered with the actual objectives, but the first level had both a volcano and an ocean." And we would build increasingly elaborate vehicles designed only to transport whales from the ocean into the volcano. We referred to this as, quote, returning them to their natural habitat, unquote. And it was deeply amusing for reasons that are unknown to this day. Thomas. Thank you, Thomas, for that beautiful image. PETA has your number now and you better watch out. I just love that stuff, though. I mean, like when you make your own really doofy objectives and have a good time with the game. It makes me happy. It's how I play things sometimes. And that's very good. All right. We're probably a quicker cast today, but I'm okay with it uh, because we've got to get ready. Uh, since we're streaming all day, you're listening to this on a Friday, and we're streaming all day. And it's, and it's a yeah, lot. Yeah, lots going on. A lot. We've got a lot of exciting things. So stay tuned, of course, to, uh, to our Twitch channel, Waypoint. Uh, just waypoint on Twitch. It's easy. Uh, as always, send questions to gaming at vice.com with the subject question. Shoutouts, as always, to Bowen for letting us use his track Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. We're on Twitter at Waypoint. We're on Facebook at Waypoint Vice. We're on YouTube at Waypoint Vice. And you can read everything that we do at waypoint.vice.com. Patrick, where can people find you on this fine internet? Well, I might dispute that part, but uh, at Patrick Klopik. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Rob, where can we find you? At Rob Zachney on Twitter. Amazing. You you can find me at Danielle R.I. and also sadly playing that Star Wars game uh, yeah, into infinity. It'll be a beautiful day. Thank you so much, as always, for sticking with us. You can always listen to Waypoint Radio on Mondays and Fridays and always catch us streaming every day, twice a day now, typically, at least, although today, like four or five times, on Twitch. Thank you so much, everyone. Be good. And be good at it.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 